by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, I'm Pastor Guy. Welcome to the Passion Church. If this is your first time here, we got some visitor cards in the front of your chair. Uh, Turn that in. We'll give you a little gift bag at the end of the service back to the Connect desk just to tell you how appreciative we are that you chose to worship with us. We're glad you're here. Maybe you've been here a couple of times. You had never filled it out. We'll still give you a gift bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I'm Pastor Guy. And uh, just to clarify something, this is my wife, Angie. It was her birthday last week. And, and uh, this right here is not my daughter, Kaylee. They look alike, okay? This is Ashley. My daughter Kaylee's in New Orleans right now, so I just want to help you out with that. But this is my new daughter, Ashley. <laughs> I told her last week, I said, you look just like Kaylee. I said, y'all look so much alike. And then since she sits on the front row, many people, mm -hmm. so I, I understand where you're coming from. Isn't it good to be here today? Man, isn't there a, a fresh breath of the Lord in this place? Just, just take a deep breath. Oh, I, I waited all week for this, to be with my brothers and sisters, you know, and in a place where we're all worshiping God. And His presence and His power is here to deliver and heal and set the captives free and open the blind eyes. Come on, somebody. God wants to, to resurrect you today. He wants to take you to a new place you've never been to. Let God have his way. Don't sit there with your arms crossed thinking, hmm. I don't know about that guy. Well, don't worry about me. Worry about Jesus. I'm just the messenger. Let the word of God change you today. Say, Holy Spirit. Say, say Holy Spirit. Have your way in this service today. That's our opening prayer. Let's say it again. Holy Spirit. Have your way in this service and in my heart today. <laughs> All right. Matthew chapter 24. And we'll get started. In verse 38, it says, In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time that Noah entered the boat and uh, the people were just thinking about themselves self-indulgent just doing the things that they wanted to do pleasing themselves but they weren't thinking that there was a time of judgment coming they thought they had all the time in the world and I look around today and I see the same thing people are self-indulgent they do what they want to do. They have no regard for God and for his moral laws. No regard for the calling that he put on their life. They don't do anything with the gifts and the talents and the personality that God gave them. So beautiful. The, the, I mean, you are here. You understand that you're God's masterpiece, right? You people know. But I look around and I don't see many people using what God has. 
for their life. What he intended, they'd never step into the first phase of God's calling on their life. They're partying, having banquets. They're doing their thing. Nothing wrong with partying and having banquets. I'm not saying anything about that. That's a good thing. We should party. We should have banquets. But we should prioritize our lives. Do you, do you agree with what I'm saying? Amen. Well, God looked down when it was time for judgment came, and he said, hmm, is there anybody? <laughs> is there anybody that I can trust? Is there a righteous man on the earth? And he found Noah. Say Noah. Noah. He found Noah, the one righteous man on the whole earth. I don't think it's that bad <laughs> these days, but it's getting there, you know. But he found Noah, a man who wanted to do right, a man whose heart was after God. And he said, Noah, I need you to build me an ark. I need you to build me a big boat because judgment is coming. I'm going to flood this world with my judgment for the sin and the wickedness. And he found Noah. So Noah heeded the call of God. Maybe you've had a call of God on your life. Maybe you know that your life is bigger than just you, right? Maybe you know that God wants you to build a boat. Maybe you know that God intends for us as a church to be an ark where people can come out from among the world and be saved from the coming wrath. And so Noah began to build this boat on dry land. And I'm sure, you know, they, they say that they estimate it took Noah 100 years to build that boat. They lived a long time back in the early days, if you're familiar with the lifespans in the Bible. It took him 100 years. He didn't have, you know, modern-day cranes and all the stuff, the power equipment that we have today. It's a single man. And, and I think maybe his three boys, Shem, Ham, and J-Path, or Bacon, Egg, and Cheese, or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> they, they probably helped with the building of the ark. But it was a long process, and it was, took a lot of muscle. It took a lot of strength. It took all his finances, I'm sure, too. And some of you have been building the ark of God in your life, and you're saying, this is costing me. I, I have given, and I have shown up, and I have labored, and I have done so much for the kingdom of God, but it don't seem like it, it's doing any good. Nobody wants to get on the boat. It, it seems like and you know over a hundred-year period of time, there's going to come creep doubts in your mind. Why am I doing this? Did God really say? That was so long ago. I ain't heard from God in a long time. And there's every temptation to say, you know, I'm just going to go back to the banquet, to the party. I don't think this is doing any good. Maybe God didn't, maybe God didn't really tell me this. Maybe it just was in my head. Am I alone in here to think that, that this life is long? And sometimes we, we want to, when we're anointed as king, we want to be king right now. But David, as you know, it took him 30 years. So God asked something of us. He said, I don't want you to be selfish. I want you to think about bringing others in from the wrath to come. I want you to build an ark. And I'm going to call it my church. And I want you to be involved. I want you to help. And, and I know that you, you've been in church for 30, 40 years. And, and 
The wrath hadn't come yet. It hadn't started raining yet. But I don't want you to give up. And if you can't get nobody but your children on the boat, you're done good. You know what I'm saying? Because Noah, I'm sure he was telling the people, guys, come on, get on the boat. And they're like, you old crazy old coot. What you doing building a big old boat on dry land? You, you got people like that saying, why you follow God? Why you need a crutch? Why you need God? Why, why you do so much for the church? Why are you always getting involved in, in all that stuff? Why don't you just party with us? Why don't you just get married with us and get, go to the banquet? Is that something you really need in your life? I don't know. Noah, he heard all that. He, the, the, his patience was drunk. I mean, he had the same obstacles to his calling that we face today. But Noah remained true, and he built that boat. Does anybody in here have a spirit like Noah today? A, a non-quitativeness about him? <laughs> Somebody who says, you know what? I don't even care if I see it in my lifetime, but in my lifetime, I will be faithful to the Lord because it's not about where I'm going. It's about who I'm serving on the way. I need to say that again. But I think you got it. I felt like you got it. Look, if you don't see it in your life, in the Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame for the people of faith, it says some of them didn't see it in this lifetime. Some of them were martyrs. Some of them died early, but they were found faithful to the end. They didn't quit. They endured. Say endured. You say, well, I don't know, Pastor. I, I do the best I can, you know. I, I don't know what you want. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. God, Jesus said, I will build my church. That's what he's doing on the earth. Does, does anybody, all you Noah's in here, does anybody feel like you play a part in this? I can see where you would look up there and say, well, yeah, the pastor at our church says we're supposed to do this. You know, that's his thing or whatever. Some people at the church, they believe that or whatever. I can, I can but what if... You're, you're longing for meaning. You're longing for somewhere to put all your efforts and put your heart into. And God is saying, I've already showed you as a people that you're building an ark for the saving of the souls. You say, well, what's my part to play? I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I'm not going to be one of those uh, preachers that we plant in, in, in the church. We focused on, yes, we're raising up ministers, but well, I don't know what to do. You can invite people onto the ark. Right? You can, you, can, you can help build the ark. You can help finance the ark. You play a part if you want to. Or you can just go to the banquets on Sunday. But I'm encouraging you. That's what this whole sermon series that we've started on endurance is about. It's easy to quit these days. When you see that chair empty on your road. It's a testimony to how easy it is to quit these days. But you're not a quitter.
you're going to find yourself in him. You're going to find your purpose in God. And you are going to run your race and finish your course. And you're going to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Every one of you, I believe the best about you. And if you don't see it yet, I believe God will bring it into focus. Does that, does that stir your heart? Does it stir your heart? It don't matter where we've been. It matters where we're going. So every Sunday, I come up here and I encourage you, keep going. You can do it. Get back up. Endure means continuing firm and resolute through trials and difficulties. If it wasn't a trial, if it wasn't difficult, then anybody could endure. You say, but every time I try to serve the Lord, it's like the devil hits my finances, the devil hits my health. The de well, yeah, because he don't want you to succeed. There's got to be trials and difficulties for you to grow endurance. And, the God, and God just leaves the devil down here as a punching bag for us to get strong on. We keep knocking him out of the way like one of them bozo punching bags. He keeps popping back up, but we'll knock him again. He's like whack-a-mole. He'll, boom, where, where is he at now? He, he's over here trying to break down my refrigerator. Uh, he got my car. What? Uh, knock him down again. But what's the alternative? Let him overcome you? Just live for yourself? You know there's something on the inside of you screaming out for more. You know you're God's masterpiece. And you were created for just such a time as this. Yes, you. You, 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 you. Every one of you were created for such a time as this. You say, well, I ain't seen it yet. This is the first day of the rest of your life. And God is illuminating your soul right now with the possibilities of come and follow me. Let's build an ark together. I've, I've showed you what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, and when we're going to do it and why, and when is the time. Now, thank you. Thank you very much for preaching with me. You know, getting started is, is a fun time. When you, when you finish, that's wonderful. But endurance is about that long struggle on the in-between. And that's where we are for many of us. And I don't know, you know, how much longer you got left in your life, but you got to keep going. We don't set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death. We move on through. His rod and his staff is moving on, and we're moving on with him. We're going through the valley of the shadow of death. We got our eyes on a heavenly prize, on a heavenly city. We're looking for the day where we will hear, come on in to the joy of the Lord. That's what we're living for. We know that this light affliction is but for a moment, but it's working for us. A far greater weight of glory in the life to come. We know in whom we have believed. We keep our eyes focused. We will run our race and finish this course. Some of y'all get mad at me for encouraging you so strong. Pastor, you're always pushing. It's because I love you.
And I'm telling you what God wants you to know. He don't want you to quit. He don't want you to get discouraged. And all these things that we've been talking about in this series. Adversaries to our endurance. Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? We only got to two. First one was settling. We just say, well, I just like the parties and the banquets. And that's fine for me. And we settle for fool's gold when God is asking us to live the abundant life. And then the second thing we talked about was letting our love grow cold. And oh, there's so many ways that that can happen. So many ways that I won't even go into right now. Jesus said in the end, the love of many will grow cold. That's not us. Let your love be built up. Not diminished. Build it up every day. Are you depositing into the love account? Are you, are you making constant withdrawals? You know, like a marriage. You know what I'm talking about? Are you saying affirming words? Are you just, you don't ever fix these green beans, right? <laughs> Why don't you put more sugar in the tea? You know, withdrawing from the love account. We need to build one another up, don't we? Okay, so the first thing today, and the third thing overall, that's an adversary to our endurance, is that we do lose focus. We get our eyes off the prize. And that's just human nature. And so we need things in our life to keep us refocused. When the Israelites was in the Wilderness for 40 years. Man, the hardships and the, the, the days without meat and a couple times they got really thirsty and one time Moses went up on the mountain they didn't know what happened to him. Just the trials of going through the wilderness. It was really only an 11-day journey. But they lost focus. And they began to go, want to go back. You see, when you lose focus because of the problems and the trials in your life, you start focusing on the trials and not your solution, who is Jesus. You lose focus, then you want to quit. And then, then the, on the other hand, it's just as worse when their children went across the Jordan into the promised land and they lived in houses that they didn't build and, and drank from wells that they didn't dig and had olive trees and, and all the things that God blessed them with. They lived in the promised land. They were so blessed that they began to think, well, I, I'm, I don't really need God now. And they forgot who gave them all the blessings. And that's another thing that we do as humans. I can't tell you how many people I've seen come into church, their life jacked up. I mean, they barely made it through the doors. And then the Word of God began to change them and they begin to feel free and they found their freedom and they begin to discover purpose and then they begin to make a difference. But then they got comfortable and they lost their focus. That happens all the time. So whether you're going through hard times or whether you're just really living it up and you're living in the middle of God's blessing, you have to continually keep your focus. Like Chad was preaching this morning back there when we was praying before we came out. We got to, we got to 
do those things that focus us. Prayer focuses us. Reading of God's Word keeps us focused on the things of God. Church and, and life groups and all those things, the, all the festivals and we talked about that God gives us as reminders to keep us focused. Because it's so easy to just let flesh have its way. And the flesh has no focus. Philippians 3.15 in the message paraphrase says, So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. So he's talking about people that, that are they're not seeing it and forgotten that there's a call on their life. He's talking about people that are on the track but need to remember to stay on the track. And God will clear your vision. God, God knows you need focus. God knows you need vision. That's why we wrote them down and made them plain. And God has spoken into your life about your personal ministry. Or he's trying to. He's trying to speak to you about your personal ministry. we got to stay focused on what matters. Is there anything? What pulls you away from focusing on your faith? Who or what pulls you away from focusing on your faith? Are there things or people in your life that are constantly saying, oh, you don't need to do that. That's silly. That's, I don't, can't even believe you believe that. What are the things that, that are causing you to lose focus? Are they worth it? Are they worth it? And can you keep focused on your own? You remember when Moses did go up on the mountain for 40 days? What did the people down below do? Well, as for this Moses, we don't know what happened to him. We thought he'd be back in a couple hours. He'd been gone 23 days now. I guess, well, we, but we best build us a, a golden calf and start worshiping it. Or we can just go back to Israel or whatever y'all want to do. We have some banquets and we can party. So they begin to party and revel down at the base of the mountain. They lost focus quickly without Moses building them up, without Moses keep helping keep them focused. Can you stay focused without Moses around for 40 days? You can. You can. You don't need me to build you up. You need those things you learned in Sunday school. Daily Bible reading. Daily prayer. Those are the things. A, a relationship with the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. It'll, he'll keep you focused. All right. I wrote this before we go to the next one. We must be able to see the big picture or we'll live in a very small world. Anytime your world revolves around you, that's a very small world. All right, the second thing today we're going to talk about is compromise. A lot of these things tie together, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I got about eight sermons worth of them. Well, at some point, we'll just stop, but... <laughs> The second one we're going to talk about today is compromise. 
how we compromise with the enemy, how we compromise with the world system, how we let our flesh have its way too much. And little by little, we begin to lose our way. We begin to lose our resolve and our focus, to be honest. In Proverbs, the book of wisdom, in verse 25 of chapter 4, says, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. That's that focus. Mark out straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked and keep your feet from following evil. This is a narrow way, I understand. Not many find that way. The broad path is easier, but if I recall correctly, it leads to destruction. But the narrow path, that's where God's provision is. That's where the abundant life is. That's where it leads you to your call. So every time we get off of that path, me and Angie was in the mountains on our uh, wedding honeymoon thing, and we were up on the mountain, and it had been like 30-year record floods or something at the time. We decided we're going to go walk in some trails. Well, some of those trails had been washed out, and we got to a little river coming across that used to be a little trickling stream that over the trail where we, we were supposed to just jump over it and stay on the trail. Well, it had become a river. We had to walk down and try to find, and we walked over across on some branches that had fallen across the new river. But then we couldn't find the trail again. That is the tiredest I've ever been in my life when I finally made it back to that truck that night. <laughs> we walked and we walked and we walked. Finally, we came out on a road somewhere. We didn't know where we were at. and We had to walk around that road for miles to get back to our truck. I'll tell you what. After that experience, I learned you stay on the trail. You got to keep your feet you got to keep your eyes fixed on what's before you. Mark out straight paths for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. God has laid out a path for us. Hmm. What are the compromises in your life? Don't say them out loud. We all have them. I'd be a, a fool if I was to sit up here and say I don't compromise in areas of my life pretend that I'm not human we all have compromises but they're all costing us and so are they worth it are the compromises in your life worth it you know what compromise does it waters down the beauty of Christ in your life you are supposed to be radiating the love of Jesus when people see you they're supposed to see Jesus they just wow when they come into the room, I can feel the love. But there, there we are compromising with sin or compromising with our flesh or compromising with the world and all these things that are pulling us away from our faith. And guess what? We're, we get under condemnation on our own self. We ain't thinking about loving nobody else. We're just thinking about woe is me. The wages of sin is pulling us down. And we're, the, 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 we're supposed to reflect. You know, the... We're like the moon. You ever heard that example? I'm just going with it today, all right? Like Jesus is the sun. The moon doesn't have any light of its own. It only reflects the light of the sun. 
to the earth. And so we're supposed to be reflectors of God's glory. Compromise is just like taking that mirror and slapping it around in the mud and getting down into things that we shouldn't be involved in as Christians. I would much rather shine for Jesus. Do you want the testimony of King Saul? God made him king. Gave him everything his heart could desire. And God said, all I want is you to be obedient. But every, at every turn, Saul would halfway do what God wanted him to do. He would compromise. To the point one day, the priest Samuel is walking up to the camp. And he is incredulous. He's just, what? I cannot believe. God gave King Saul direct command to destroy the enemy and not to take any of the plunder. Don't take anything back with you. And he comes walking up. What have you done, King Saul? King Saul says, what? I did what God wanted. He says, well, what's this bleeding I hear in my ears? It was all the sheep and the goats and the rams and the oxen and the camels or whatever that they had saved for themselves. The plunder. They had taken the plunder when God truly said, don't take the plunder for yourself on this one. It was probably just a test. And he said, what's this bleeding I hear in my ear? You say you're a man after God. God has made you a king, but I hear all this bleeding. Bleating, not bleeding. When people see you, do they hear bleating? <laughs> no, no, no. He lost his kingship because he... He would not be obedient to God. So don't do that. I think about Samson. Had all those gifts and talents. Man, this, this guy could outdo anybody at anything. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit from birth. And God had great plans for him. But he just kept sleeping with the harlots. Kept compromising. Do you know when we... When we compromise with the devil, it's like sleeping with a harlot. We're married to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about Lot. He could have gone in any direction. Abraham gave him first choice, but he chose to go live in the dark cities. He chose to live among the, the, the sinners. Even though it vexed his soul, he wouldn't move. He kind of liked it. You know, I don't do what they, he, they, maybe he felt better about himself because I don't really do what they do, but I hang around enough to get a little of their pleasure. And when God tried to save him, he was barely able to get him out, but he lost his wife in the process because she had grown so accustomed to the things of this world. Who are you influencing in your, in your life? Everybody. Everybody in your life you're influencing. That's why they call it your sphere of influence. So don't let them see you compromising and, and lest somebody in your family turns back because of your compromise. You, people think, well, I sin, but it's, it's, it's just only hurting me. Oh, what a foolish thing to say. That's why they call it your witness. Do, do you want the testimony? This is the last one I wrote. Do you want the testimony of the old you? 
Because you know who you were before Jesus, and you know all the things he'd done in your life. You don't want to go back to that. You don't want at the end that they remember you as the old you. You want to be the new you. So the third thing we're going to talk about, that was what? Losing focus and compromise. Two hard things. Here's a thing that'll help you. But one thing we often do, the third thing, is we look back, like Lot's wife. We look back and we say, but I, I kind of like that, you know, and I remember that. And we got selective memory. We got rose-colored glasses about our past, you know. After you've got out of it and God's cleaned you up and you, you, you're living in houses you didn't build and drinking from wells you didn't dig, and you're all in the promised land now, then you begin to think, well, I did used to like drinking. I did used to like this. I did used to like that. And so you want to look back. But looking back wrecks your way ahead. You looking back, you're going to run into a ditch mighty quick. There's a story in the Bible of a man named Elisha. And Elijah, you know, you've heard of Elijah. Elijah uh, was a great man of God, and Elisha looked up to him. Wanted to be like him. He, he, he was wanted to follow Elijah. He wanted to walk in that anointing. He had a strong desire to do God's will. Just like you. And when the day came, when Elijah came by Elisha's town, and Elisha was out there in the fields plowing with his two oxen, he was plowing a field, and Elijah came and threw his mantle over him, his coat, and threw it over Elisha, signaling that you're going to have my anointing. You're going you're to carry on my ministry. Elisha said, Sir, can I go back and say goodbye to my family? Well, you remember Jesus said the same thing. People will come to me and say they want to follow, but they want to go back and bury their dead or whatever. He said, you know, once you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. But Elisha said it with a different intention. Because what Elisha did was he took his ox, he, he, he undid the plow, and he took his oxen and his plow and the yoke, he took the yoke off the oxen and he got home and he gathered everybody around and says, we're fixing to have a feast because I'm leaving. I'm leaving this old life. I'm moving on. And he took that yoke and he busted it up and he made a fire out of it, the wooden yoke, and he lit it. And then he killed the oxen and they roasted those oxen. Now you understand those oxen and that yoke represented his past. It represented everything he had worked for in his life to get to that point. Every penny he'd ever made was invested in his ability to plow those fields and, and reap those harvests. But he said, I want you, Dad. I want you, family. I want this whole town to come and see that I ain't going back because I done burnt my past right here in this pile. I don't have nothing to go back to. I'm moving on. Don't you look back. Don't go back. What things in your past are you, are you still yoked to that are pulling you in the wrong direction? Let them go. <laughs> Philippians 3.13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters. Paul said, I've not achieved it yet. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. 
Maybe that's for somebody in here today. And I want to say, forgetting the past doesn't just mean the bad things. It could mean the good things that you had in the past that you're still yoked to. It could mean the bad things as well, the, the ugly things that you did. But Paul's saying, look, the past is the past. Let it be the past at last. Let's move forward. Let's keep our eyes on what lies ahead. He said, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Just, work, just focus on your calling. You want life and life more abundantly? Just focus on your calling. You want to stay true to God? You want your heart to be free from the burden of sin and the weight of the, this world? Then just keep your eyes on Jesus and keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. If you fail, then quote 1 John 1, 9. Confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and, and receive it by faith and keep moving forward. There ain't none of us in here that don't sin daily. But there ain't none of us in here that that, that scripture doesn't apply to. The blood of Jesus has forgiven us for our sins. When he said it is finished, the sin debt was paid and God's not up there holding our sin against us. Our sin is just holding us down to this world for this time period called our period of sanctification. It's keeping you from being the, the representation of Christ that you were called to be. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I forget the things in the past. I'm going to fight for my focus. I don't want to compromise, but if I do, I'm going to be quick to repent. I always tell those guys in the jail, and I tell everybody that I meet, never run from Jesus. Never run from him. Always run to him. When you sin, that's when you should run to him. Many people sin, and that's the last we've seen of them for six weeks until they forget about it, and then they come back. But what about those six weeks of your life you just lost? Is God's words true? If he said in his word that he's faithful and just, to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness if you will confess your sins to him. Does that apply to you? How many of you are still beating yourself up about things you did three years ago? I was unfaithful to my husband. I was unfaithful to my wife. I, was, I did this. And, I, and you're still carrying those scars. You're still carrying the guilt that's insulting to the grace of God. Either God's word is true or it ain't. In 2 Corinthians 5, he said he's not up there holding your sins against you. In the New Living Translation. Check it out for yourself. You're holding them against yourself. You're tying, tying yourself to them and you're giving yourself excuse to do it again because that's just who I am. No, you were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. It's between these ears that's giving you the problem. What about old Nehemiah? We'll close. Nehemiah was a man who felt a call of God on his life. 
Nehemiah was basically just a slave who had been carried away captive when, when Jerusalem was burned to the ground. He was an Israelite. Now he's a cupbearer to some king in a foreign nation. And he hears that nobody's built the walls in Jerusalem. Nobody's rebuilding. Nobody's doing the things of God. They don't have the resources. They don't have the manpower. Nobody's organizing. Nobody's leading. God's people are just left out there to pray for the enemy. Nehemiah had a heart and he prayed. He fasted and he said, God, help me help your people. Give me favor with the king. Let me go and rebuild the walls. God said, I will. Go. And sure enough, the king had favor when he heard the plan and he gave him, gave him the resources to go back and rebuild the wall. The world paid for it. You know the story of Nehemiah. He went back and he stirred the people and he had a, he had a written thing, you know, that gave him an authorization to do it. God had given him the authorization and the people were rallied and they began to build the wall. But see, it took, he had to get all the people to buy in because it was a, it was a, a city wall that went around the city and you couldn't just have some people over here building a section of wall, but next to them, these people say, no, I just want to go to the banquet. Because, oh, it's great to have a wall. How many of you know on our southern border we got a wall on parts of it, but the enemy just comes around it? you got to build the whole wall. And God is trying to get all of our buy-in. He's trying to get us all to build in front of our house. And so that's the way he did it. He said, you people who live, used to live over here, y'all build the wall that's going to be your house. When, you know, you're, you're not just building for the church, you're building for your family. And so they begin to build the wall. Record time, 50 days. They finished the wall. They all worked together. And you know what? There were times where the enemy threatened to kill them. The enemy laughed at them. The, the enemy made poked fun at them. Oh, man, if a squirrel gets on top of that wall, he'll knock it down. He tried to get them, the enemy tried to get them to quit, to give up. But Nehemiah, he posted sentries. And he prayed. And that, that's what we do, you see. On Tuesday nights, our prayer warriors get on the wall. We get on the wall. We pray that, that people's faith won't fail, that they won't get weary and quit, and everybody will discover that they have a purpose, and everybody will begin to make a difference, and they'll be set free from all the stuff of this world. And they'll walk free, live free, be free. So he put warriors on the wall, and then they begin to build. At one point, they were building with a, with a trowel in one hand, putting the bricks up in one hand and a sword in the other because the enemy was so hot after wanting to find a way to get them. And they had to stay in vigilant and, and watch over the vision. There's some people in here that, that are prayer warriors. We need you to take your spot on the wall. Not just on Tuesday nights, but 
Every day. Every day. Pray for this vision. Let's come together. Let's all take our spot. And let's build together. And then it will all join together. And then we will have an ark for the saving of the lost souls out there. Where would we be without Noah? Would God have even fooled with us if he couldn't find a righteous man to do, do what he asked? Where would we be without Nehemiah? God's chosen people would have been destroyed. They didn't get distracted. They kept building. They didn't get deceived. They kept building. You know why they didn't get distracted and deceived? Because they were working. They were doing what they're supposed to do. If David would have been doing what he was supposed to be, going to battle like the kings do, he wouldn't have been up there with Bathsheba. You wonder why you keep falling and falling and falling. Well, put your hand to the plow. Build the wall and you'll, be, you'll keep your focus. They didn't get distracted, deceived, and they didn't get discouraged by the enemy because they had an inner knowing that God is doing something wonderful. And then, when the wall was built, they had a big ceremony. And Nehemiah had the priest, I think it was Ezra, read their Bible at the time, the, the law, the books of the law. Had it read them to all the people, all the people that had, had done the work, gathered. And I don't know how many thousands. It wasn't millions because the people hadn't moved back to Jerusalem. It was just the workers. You understand, we're not the big crowd. We're, we seem like a little small, insignificant number to the world. But we gather to hear the re reading of the book of the law. We're the people who care about things of God. So they gathered, and as they begin to hear the things that God had said in His Word, they begin to weep. And maybe you feel like weeping right now. They said, God, we hadn't done what you said we should do. And they, they just felt guilty for their inaction and their, that they had lost focus, and so they begin to weep. And Nehemiah is going to give you the key today to stay on track in your life and to hear, well done, good, faithful servant. A major key. He told the people, this is not a day for weeping. Let me, in fact, let me read it to you from the Word of God. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And Nehemiah continued, he said, Go and celebrate with the feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. I believe they was drinking some good old-fashioned southern sweet tea. He said, Go celebrate. This is not a time to weep. Eat some food and some sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. You know who wants you dejected and sad? The devil. 
Condemnation is pushing you down and making you feel dejected and sad. But God convicts through the Holy Spirit, which is a lifting up. It's saying, lift up your eyes, my son. Lift up your eyes, my daughter. And remember who you belong to. You're better than this. Come out of that pit. It encourages. The devil discourages. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We must keep our joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength to endure. Where's your joy level right now? You know what? The devil's trying to steal your joy. The devil is trying to steal your joy. He's doing everything he can to steal your joy. But Nehemiah says we should celebrate with rich foods and sweet drinks and sweet tea. We ought to get together. We ought to, we ought to get together because you know what creates joy in your life? The presence of the Lord. He said sweet tea, didn't he? No. It does. Food. It does. It creates joy. But it's the main thing I see in the Word of God. It's in His presence is fullness of joy. That's why that reading that Bible, that's why that prayer time, that's why our worship time, our personal worship time, that's why those things bring joy into our life to help us endure and help us overcome and help us to focus and not, constant, not uh, compromise. God wants you to be a joyful people. The three P's I talk about bring great joy. God's presence, God's power, and God's people. He doesn't say go off and eat a meal by yourself. He said gather together. Gather together and eat a meal together. And where the presence of the Lord is, you're, you're giving God glory, then the power of the God is going to come down, and he's going he's to heal you, he's going to deliver you, he's going to encourage you. Everything that you need, and everything that pertains to life and godliness is in the power and the presence of God. You've got to seek Jesus like Chad said this morning. He's got to be your number one priority. You want joy in your life? Seek Jesus. He is the joy of this world. You ain't going to find it on Instagram. You're going to find a little endorphin. But I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. It's going to set you free. It's going to keep your feet on the right path. It's going to give you the strength to overcome and be the person that God wants you to be. What else he say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. I feel like old-fashioned Preacher, you should say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on now. Bringing the preach out in me. Hush. Don't weep. For this is the sacred day. This is what the Levites, too, were telling the people. The, the Levites were the, preach, the preachers. Don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink 
at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate with joy because they had heard God's word and they understood them. Do you understand what God's saying to you today? Isn't this good news? Isn't the gospel good news? Joy is vital to us if we are to endure in this life and to overcome. If we endure, we overcome. So get together. I tell you what, I don't know what's going on at the women's life group. But I've been going to the men's life group. And fellas are coming together. And they're stirring themselves up in the things of the Lord. And we're eating good food, drinking sweet tea. <laughs> we're talking about stirring, stirring that pot of things about, you know, God, when when men come together, they want purpose. And so when they begin to talk about God, they begin to find purpose. Those guys that have been out there, you know, working hard in the fields, and they come in, and then they go to bed, wore out, and they wake up the next morning, and they go back out in the field, and then they go, come back home late at night, and they wore out, and somewhere in there, we hope they take a shower. Right? they just surviving. But you get men of God together there begins to stir within each one of them possibilities, purpose. And so I don't know about the rest of the guys that's been coming, but I'm seeing the stirrings of something in this church through the men folk. And that's why God gave us life groups, not just so that we could have, it's not just a program, it's, it's church. That, that Life group as much a church as this is right here. Because in, in the book of Acts, they met in the temples, but they met in their homes daily. Don't let the devil tell you that I don't go to life groups. I don't have time for life groups. Don't let the devil do that to you. He's trying to steal the, the source of your joy. Give it a chance, man. Come on, let's let God have his way. God's presence, God's power, God's people. And two last things, and we'll close. Thankfulness and praise create joy. Thankfulness and praise. A proper perspective. We can look at the things we don't have. Woe is me. Good night. How could you do that in America? But we do. That's the flesh. But begin to Turn that around. Stop speaking the things you don't have. Start speaking the things you do have. And then that'll, that'll stir in you the spirit of praise. You begin to praise God, and that, that's, a, like a, that's like joy on steroids. Weren't you joyful when we were praising the Lord just a minute ago? What if we could live in that high? Well, then stir up your praise on Monday. Stir up your praise on Tuesday. Be thankful on Wednesday. Think about these things. Whatsoever things are good and lovely of a good report. Remember we talked about fixing our thoughts. If we'll fix our thoughts and we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, he is the joy of the world. Remember that song we sing at Christmas? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. What gives us the joy? 
I guess you guys have had enough for one day. What do y'all want to do next? Sweet tea and some rich foods? Where are we eating at? <laughs> yeah, y'all think that ain't scriptural? It's very much scriptural. Fellowship is one of the pillars of this church. It's what keeps us moving forward. We need to learn to get together. We need to learn to celebrate. Stop belly aching and belly grubbing. What are you, what are you mully grubbing? We need to stir up the joy in this place again. You know what I mentioned to the guys the other night at the life group? What if we, what if we do it a, a, another festival or something? Maybe, maybe the guys could plan it. And we could come up with all the stuff and do all the work and the women could just show up for once. How many women like that idea? How many men like that idea? Men, you know you want to impress them ladies. That's what we were, we were built to, to want to impress. We got a big old barbecue grill, my goodness. We can get us an inflatable or something for the kids to play in like we do. I don't know, somebody sing some song, or we can do it totally different. I don't know, but the men's going to be talking about it this week. So y'all be praying. Y'all be praying. And y'all men that ain't come yet, you come on with us. Come on with us, because it's fixing to get good. And y'all ladies ain't left out, because they meet up here Wednesdays at 6.30, or ladies group. 7-8, I'm sorry, 7-8. I think they're eating good in the neighborhood, too. I know Miss Callan. So, look, guys, there's a job to do. There's an ark to build. There's a wall to rebuild. There are things to do. God's looking for the Noahs and the Nehemiahs. God's looking for somebody with a heart to do his will, and that's you. You got the heart, you got the intentions, now let's put some feet to it. Let's do this thing. Let me pray. Father, whoo, somebody say amen. amen. I ain't even prayed yet, but say amen. amen. <laughs> oh, God, thank you for this word, this encouraging word today. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. It is our strength. Thank you for our ability to stay focused on you and not compromise with the world. Thank you, Father, that you've put in us a calling bigger than ourselves, something that's going to keep us occupied and, and overcoming until you, till we, till you come back, Lord. And we won't be a part of that wrath. We'll have created an ark for our family, for our loved ones, for our community, and maybe for this whole world if we see this vision come to pass before we go. We thank you, Father, this is bigger than us. And when our life gets bigger than us, our life gets good. We trust your ways. We're going to stay on your, way, your path, the safe path, the straight and the narrow. And if we veer, Father, we're going to ask for forgiveness and we're going to receive it right then and right there. We're not going to run away from you. We're going to run to you. We're going to run to you in a good time. We're going to run to you in a bad time. We're going to run to you in all times. You are our source of strength. You are the deep, deep well of living water that we desire. Cool our tongues again, Father. Restore us. Renew us. And Father, if there be anybody here today holding grudges against somebody in this church, if there be any strife and division, those are petty things. Help them see the pettiness of it. And ask, Lord, I ask you to reveal it to their hearts that they may just simply say, I'm sorry, and I'll let it go. 
we're in this together. We're all in this together. We're down here. We're all messed up together. But together we can do great things with the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. I believe it with my whole heart. I believe in every person in this room that by your spirit they will do great things for the kingdom of God. I, I, I pray over every person, Lord. And if there be anybody here, Father, that doesn't know you, that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, that maybe thinks of uh, your word and stuff like that in religious thinking, that doesn't know it's just about personal thinking. It's about a real relationship. They don't know. They've never asked you to come into their heart and, and forgive their sins and trusted you to be Lord of their life. I pray that they would come and talk to me after this service. Let me pray with them. Father, I thank you for filling this place with your people, your power, and your presence. Holy Spirit, we belong to you, we obey you, we listen to you, and we follow you. In all our ways, we acknowledge you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.